0: Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I am a female leader in the pro sports industry, and my front office resume includes titles like GM, VP of Corporate Partnerships, and Director of Sales. Join me each week as I interview women in the sports industry to teach you the tips and the mindset that will get you to the next level faster. Did you know that less than 25% of leadership roles in the sports industry are held by women? We've got work to do. Why? Because diverse leadership helps your bottom line. We are 35% more likely to outperform the competition. How can we improve this stat? It's easy, visibility. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I'm here as your host to bring visibility to women who are crushing it in the sports industry. Join me week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. We will lead you forward because leadership is female. Hey leaders, let me be blunt. Sometimes in order to level up, you've got to get a new job. Because of this awesome community we have created here for engaged sports professionals and leaders in adjacent industries, opportunities are floating to this community. Do you want to hear about them? I want to share these new opportunities with you. Recently, I've included listings of available jobs in our newsletter and will continue to do so. If you aren't on that newsletter list, you can add your email at leadershipisfemale.com. And if you are hiring... Email me at my personal email, emilyjansen at gmail.com, so that I can share your open role. If we want to continue to add diverse, talented leaders to our businesses, we have to look for new ways to recruit this diverse talent. 80% of our listeners on the Leadership is Female podcast are women. Find your next great hire here. Let's go. Maura Sheridan is in her second year as the Director of Broadcasting and Media Relations with the Lynchburg Hillcats the Low-A affiliate of the Cleveland Guardians. She was the first woman to broadcast a game in team history. She got her start in baseball as the assistant broadcaster for the Fayetteville Woodpeckers, Low-A of the Houston Astros, and by spending a summer in the Cape Cod League in college. In the offseason, Moore spent three years as the voice of UVM women's basketball and one year with UVM men's hockey in her hometown of Burlington, Vermont. When at Vermont, Mora was the only female broadcaster on the Learfield IMG Sports Network. This offseason, Mora is in Philadelphia and calls games for Princeton hockey, Temple Women's Basketball, and Westchester basketball. She's got a full plate, but took the time to sit down with Leadership is Female podcast to share her story, which includes a conversation about skills development, taking feedback, and outreach to those for which you want to connect. This is advice you don't want to miss and includes a ton of examples for Maura's flourishing career. Let's go. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast, Maura Sheridan, Director of Broadcasting and Media Relations with the Lynchburg Hillcats, the Low A affiliate of the Cleveland Guardians and the first woman to broadcast a game in team history. Welcome.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm thrilled. It seems like we've sort of been doing this broadcaster series lately. And I think that really speaks to the network of women that you've got uh in the broadcasting realm that you each recognize each other to be featured on the podcast. So I'm thrilled to have you today and want to have you tell the audience who you are and what you do.
1: Sure. Yeah, I'm I'm Maura Sheridan. Um, so I'm a broadcaster and I've done play by play pretty much exclusively, although I have done some sideline reporting as well. And I do it for, right now, the Cleveland affiliate, um, changing its name to the Guardians, which is kind of a cool time to be involved in the Cleveland system. And so I was with High A Lynchburg, and then all the restructuring came, and we ended up going to Low A, which simply just meant we got younger players. And so that was really exciting. So I broadcasted all of their games this year. I got to travel with the team, which I know I was extremely lucky in this kind of climate to be able to do that. And uh, this is going to be my second year with the team coming up this year. Um, and I also was with the Houston affiliate Fayetteville in 2019 and did some Cape Cod League stuff in college. So, yeah, it's been a real journey. Of baseball, I sort of just fell into, and, and now I, I really love it.
0: Talk to us a little bit about traveling with the team. Obviously, it's a little different in the climate we're in, still dealing with COVID and the pandemic, but. But what is that like being, uh, you know, you're really you're the girl on the bus. You're the girl on the plane um, at the hotel, you know, traveling, traveling with the guys. Tell us uh, about what that's like for you.
1: Well, I mean, it just it can be really exhausting. You really don't get days off. You get the one Monday off a week and that's it. You are you know, really expected to do all of your prep in the full broadcast when you're on the road. I do like traveling because it is a lot, lot less work. You're not, you know, in charge of all the home game stuff. So that can just make things a little bit easier and you get to explore different places. Like this year we went to um, Myrtle Beach. We went to different places um, in Virginia. We did play a lot of the same teams just because of COVID. But actually, we play the same team, the Salem Red Sox, like 36 times, I think. So we got uh, way too familiar with them. A little bit of uh, rivalry, some, uh, little, just some. I guess I wouldn't call it a brawl, but a couple of bench-clearing moments with the Salem Red Sox this year. Um, but I, I, I think it, it's it can be tough being the only girl on the bus. You definitely stick out like a sore thumb. And at first, I think a lot of the guys were a little bit like, why is this woman that we don't really understand her job traveling with us, especially the younger guys, because they've never um, seen a broadcaster. They don't know what you do. They don't understand it. And so um, a lot of it was just having to explain to them like three or four times who I am and what I'm doing. Um, And then, you know, by the end of the year, I was just kind of like walking to a, a place with the guys and getting milkshakes, you know, after a game or Um, getting to talk to them, just like post game was really fun on the bus. And, you know, they were always talking about like the things they did well, the things they could uh, do better. And so you kind of get this like perspective that you just simply wouldn't get if you weren't riding the bus and and kind of seeing who they are out of the um, away from the baseball field, which is my favorite part.
0: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure that adds to your broadcast as well when you get to know the players.
1: Oh, yeah, it does. And, and, you know, it's, it can be important to like create boundaries too, um, just to make it clear, like you are a broadcaster and, you know, anything that you say here, I'm not gonna, I'm not saying I'm gonna use it against you, but obviously, you know, you have to be careful with them. Hopefully they're going to be careful with you. Um, but it is just fun. I think a lot of what baseball players do is so, especially at this level, you know, they're trying to make it to the majors and there's a lot of pressure. Um, whether they're a 39th round guy which actually doesn't really exist anymore or they were a top round guy um if they're from latin america no matter what there's just a lot of pressure and so i find like the thing that they want to talk about the least is baseball and so it's really fun to connect with guys on a different level like they were always playing like mafia on the bus and i just found it to be so like juvenile and funny and just like um, that was when I saw the bulk of the personalities, who's the leader, who's the funny guy, you know, like who, who, um, always gets picked on and always gets killed in these mafia games. Like that was, uh, really exciting. And like I said, just to connect with them on like what TV show they're watching, they're all watching out of banks during the season and stuff like that. It's, it's, I think it develops a level of trust that maybe you don't have. You're just strictly always in that baseball mode.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I, this is a little off topic, not completely, but, um, whenever I have to travel for work, I get a little bit anxious about packing and what to bring and, uh, do I have enough things and how am I going to get my work done? What is that like for you when you're literally going from like one road trip to the next? And do you have any tips for us?
1: Oh, I mean, I think for for me, it's like I kind of have it down to a science because I also used to travel. um, Well, I still do in college sports. So when we would fly a lot, so I had to make the um, all of my stuff had to be carry on. And then because my equipment was what had to be um, checked. So it was always just like a lot of things I had to pack. Um, I do a lot of things digitally now, which I used to not do. and for me, it's just kind of like rolling with the punches, like you're gonna forget stuff and you kind of always have to have a plan of like what you're gonna do if something happens, um, which for for me is just usually relying on the other broadcaster to help you if something goes wrong, which is great. We have like a little family of broadcasters in the, I guess it's low East now, I wish it was called the Carolina Sleek still, it doesn't sound good. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, just, being able to like work in a situation where, yeah, you did leave this really important thing. And now you need to figure out how to get it um, figured out. And like I said, usually that's just calling up the other broadcaster in a bit of a panic and they're like, calm down, I'll help you. Don't worry about
0: it. Yeah, and you, you did mention that in addition to baseball, you also do college athletics. So this off season, you've got Princeton hockey, Temple women's basketball, and Westchester basketball around Philadelphia. That is a very full year for yeah. you. So talk to us about the life of a broadcaster. There's so many women who are interested in getting into this business. What is what is that like? Summer baseball, winter you're picking up college sports. Talk to us a little bit about that lifestyle.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a very nomadic lifestyle. I think I was super lucky that my first job, um, shout out to, I went to Syracuse and when I graduated, I was actually applying to do a lot of, you know, television sports reporter jobs because I had only called six to seven games um, in college on this, on like the big student radio station. I had done like really small other gigs but I hadn't done like the big ones. And I, at the time was like so concerned, like I'd only done a couple of big games. I didn't realize that it doesn't really matter. but so I I was only applying to sports reporting jobs and one of my professors who's also the voice of uh, Syracuse football and basketball reached out to me said hey University of Vermont women's basketball job opened up I applied for you (laughs) and I was like okay and then I got it within the next day Um, and that was my hometown so it was really nice to kind of navigate this world while also living in my hometown a place I'm very comfortable with um so I didn't have to move around a lot um that first season which was lovely just to be able to stay at home and you know you go to my parents for dinner and and have all of that comfortable um, aspect but really you are if you are doing more than one sport spending time in different places or at least splitting season to season kind of um especially if, if you do baseball and you're seasonal, then when you're not in season, you're going to have to find something else to do. And so for me, that's perfect. Cause I love basketball. Um, and I'm starting to really love hockey too. Um, but it, it can, be <laughs> it can be stressful trying to figure out what you're going to do in the off season.
0: Yeah. And like, what does that prep look like? What does the development of your craft look like? It seems obviously the more you do it the better you get but how do you fit in time to study and develop more of your skills so that you have the chance to to level up
1: yeah I mean it, it is all about reps and I I said this before but in college I was so concerned there was like one like very storied radio station that I worked at and I put in a lot of time there and I only ended up getting to call six games there it's very, very competitive. Like two of the people that I was in school with and we were competing for for play-by-play opportunities at the time, one of them is the voice of the LA Clippers, the other one works at ESPN, they're both like 24. So we, it was very competitive. And I, at the time thought like that was the end all be all. Meanwhile, um, I was doing D2 sports on the side, um, thinking that that wasn't going to get me opportunities But ultimately it was games like that, where I was able to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes and kind of push myself to try new things because I knew the audience wasn't as big as when I was doing Syracuse men's basketball, like that's just gonna get a lot of listeners. Um, And those reps ultimately helped me. Um, So I think I had a misconception of it had to be like this big, huge thing or else it wasn't worth my time. And I do not operate that way anymore. Like, I will pick up so many high school games now just to get in rhythm for a season. Um, Like, getting ready for hockey season, I did this um, high school boys hockey tournament where I I I ended up doing like 14 games in three days. And it was so helpful because when I came into hockey season, I was like ready to go. Um, So, for me, it's all about reps and feeling more comfortable. And, you know, I know Emma mentioned this, but. Um getting feedback from people that you trust that you trust.
0: So you said your first gig you got because your professor mm-hmm. applied for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what tips do you have for those who are looking to get their start?
1: I think the first thing is, like I said, just take every opportunity when you're in college. Do not turn your nose up at anything. Um, and, and be willing to try new things. I, so when I was in school, ACC Network was launching and they ultimately did like a a test run at Syracuse that first year. So when I was a senior, they had a lot of opportunities and, um, they were giving the same, you know, two guys, the play-by-play opportunities deservedly. So they were very good. Um, And that's not what was available to me. So they put me on the sidelines and they made me an analyst for field hockey and lacrosse. And I showed up for every game. It was fantastic. I mean, it was operated so well. Um, But ultimately at the end, they said, you've worked really hard. So we're going to give you a play-by-play game. And I I just kind of stuck with it and it really paid off. And because of that, my professor ended up kind of fighting for me in the end. So I think the best thing you can do is say yes at at the beginning of your career, say yes to um, anything and just trust that people that recognize hard work and recognize the work ethic and and see what you're putting in, your willingness to kind of be flexible, it will pay off even though it might not feel like it in the moment, Um, trust that those people exist and they will help you if they see that you're working hard.
0: Yeah. I love what you said there. People recognize hard work. And what was also laid down was that trust and sort of the patience Because when you're in the moment, it's like, oh man, is this ever going to work out for me? Um, but, but that patience and that trust also in yourself and your career is like crucial to get, to get to that next step. So what's the best part of your job?
1: Ooh, I think the best part for me is just getting to watch. So for me, like I am ultimately like these players that I am uh, working with, whether it's college sports or um, professional sports, I am watching them attempt to live out a dream, whether that dream is like to make the NCAA tournament or to get to Major League Baseball. I'm watching that progression. I love working with the team because you can see it in real time. So we had a guy earlier this year, his name was Alec Friplanes, and he was really struggling. He's 19 and he was striking out like at an extremely high rate, like one of the highest rates in, in baseball, and just um, was the highest strikeout guy in on our team. And by the end of the year, he was our top home run guy and was you know batting like 400 and just playing incredible baseball and he's you know a great center fielder and you could see that grow for him. So to just see someone who started out so frustrated, uh, work as hard as he did and then ultimately become one of the better hitters in low A was really fun and I think it's like stories like that or you know seeing a guy that came back from Tommy John and and now he's like throwing lights out. It, it's it's the best part especially when you just see the hours these guys are putting in and the time they're putting in and just the emotional uh, aspect that goes into trying to live out a dream I can connect with it uh at the, you know it's not the same level it's not as physical for me but um that's my favorite part just watching them succeed and you know some of my guys from Houston are now on the Astros like Luis Garcia was on Fayetteville when I was there so pretty cool to see that
0: yeah that's incredible and you get to know them so well when you're the one who's talking about them uh and, and their whole journey. So that's gotta be so cool. Well for you personally, what's what's been the most rewarding for you?
1: Um I think the friendships that I've made have been the most rewarding. I so I don't know if Emma or Jill has mentioned this, but you know, we met through like Twitter and just somebody wrote a story. Um, I think it was about Melanie and Susie. And then they were like, here are the other broadcasters in baseball i didn't know anything about them and so i just followed them all on twitter and we started dming and messaging each other and probably like dumped a lot of information on each other that maybe you wouldn't dump on someone that you just met but we just have the same experience or similar experiences so we became very close very quickly and it was all like virtual which is interesting and then we met at lexington kentucky right before the pandemic And so since then, we've just been like as close as you can be, like we're all going to Emma's Bachelorette party, we're all like super, I mean, I consider them to be some of my best friends. And um, even like the male ally broadcasters that I have, like, just talking to them, FaceTiming them on the phone and just, you know, um, they have this like extremely strange passion that I do as well. And so we kind of nerd out and have that like amazing connection that is super rare, I think. And so for me, just those genuine friendships that I've made have just meant so much to me. And I just love, you know, kind of following their careers and seeing where they all go as well.
0: Yeah. Well, so my next question was going to be how important is your network of women in broadcasting? And it's so cool that you told us about it as as the best part of your job personally is the women who are around you so who are your role models and mentors and how important are those people to your career development
1: yeah i mean so i have like all these different kind of role models and they all have affected me in different ways um, so beth Mowens was kind of the first person to say you should go in a play by play just sort of offhandedly said it to me i was at her hall of fame ceremony um at Syracuse she was of course you know it's going in the hall of fame there and she's uh just kind of asked me why I didn't do it and I didn't really have a great answer for her um because I was a junior and I just hadn't really seen it as something I was capable of uh and I'm not sure why I I don't know if it was because I didn't have good female role models in the field or you know I come from a really small town I might have just simply not thought that was a career path um so I always wanted to be Erin Andrews who I love and respect but this what I like is talking for two hours um so I I think she has been a huge role model for me I just love how capable she is of doing any sport like she has made a real name for herself in softball but she also does NFL games and she'll also she was doing Cubs games this year like I love that flexibility that she has and just, um, so yeah, she's my biggest role model. And then, you know, I really do look up to um, the other women um, like Emma, who's a little bit older than me. She has had a little bit more experience. And so someone like her, it's really important to me to see her journey and just, I love how happy she is in Portland. And um, I do rely on those women if I'm feeling down or if I need some advice on how to stop saying a certain word that I'm crutching on during my broadcast, they always are there for me for that.
0: Yeah. And I think what you said there was really important about the role models in your life. So Erin Andrews had so much visibility when you were coming up. Um, you know, even for me in my career over sort of the last 10 years, she's really been featured. And um, and she was a role model for you, but she also helped you to understand what you didn't want to do and gravitate towards Beth Moens to understand like you saw her career and were able to see like okay that's that's what I want so I think that distinction is really important that a role model doesn't have to be someone who you follow in their career path or in their shadow they can help lead you to the path that's best for you.
1: Of course yeah and I think it's great that now we're seeing women in all these different roles and it does you don't have to be just one thing. And I think we're starting to see a lot of sideline reporters attempt play by play. And I love that. I just love that you can be both and you don't have to just decide when you're 23, I want to be a sideline reporter. And then that's what you have to be for the rest of your career. So that shift is really exciting. And I, you know, I know Hannah Storm was doing some stuff for Amazon and, I just, I love that, that you can just be uh, the type of person that has all these different uh, multidimensional elements to how you broadcast a game. Hey,
0: leaders, if you want to be in for a treat, definitely subscribe to this show if you have not done so already, because we have so many amazing episodes coming up. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, wherever you listen, so you don't miss out. And if you leave us a review or post about me or tag Leadership is Female on your Instagram stories, To talk about the show, we'll enter you into a giveaway. We're giving away something every single month. Some of my favorite things from my favorite work bag to my favorite sunglasses. Make sure that you spread the word and we will reward you for that. I'll also send you a personal thank you note and repost your comments and reviews. Last thing, did this episode bring you any insights, ideas, aha moments, anything you are inspired by? If so, take one second and share the link, post about it on your Instagram, text your friend, email, so many ways to share leadership is female. And if you do post about this show, again, don't forget to tag at Leadership as Female or at Emily Jansen or my awesome guest today, because knowing that this conversation made a difference for you means the world to us and we love to see it. Thank you so much. leadership is female we are so excited to welcome mobot as a brand partner we use and love this product and know you will too mobot is a female founded and led company that has promised to do things differently from the core philosophy of sustainability and helping people feel good to the holistic approach of healing and creating movement around daily recovery and wellness mobot is the best mobot is a revolutionary fitness product and was the first to patent the combined high performance travel foam roller and reusable environmentally sustainable water bottle. Unique and recognizable Mobot's proprietary technology is designed to be both impressive in form and function, not to mention beautiful and easy to carry. Order your Mobot today and use the code all one word leadership is female for 15% off. Visit MoBot.com today to get your MoBot water bottle. Visit MoBot.com. Yeah. So what advice do you have for women who want a mentor and how do you make that connection?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was lucky. I will say Syracuse has a great network of of alumni. So that is extremely unique. Um, But I think just anytime you can reach out with a genuine connection is really important. And sometimes that means that you don't ask them for help for a while. Um, Meaning you're just not emailing somebody asking them for a job. That's can be really unhelpful. I think it can turn people off too. Um, Some of the things that I've done in the past is just ask people to review a tape or, you know, so Leah Hextall ended up being a really big influence on me because I was brand new to hockey, and now she's at ESPN doing hockey, which is amazing. She's doing NHL games, but um, I just reached out to her and was like, "How do you prep for a hockey? Like, I don't even know." And she just called me back and gave me all these tips and and told me what to value in hockey, which truly I didn't. I had not valued at the you you really have to value. Um, player recognition because that's all you're doing in hockey it's so quick and so um, just the way she prepped for that it was so cool and I take I take basically stolen from her and um, so I think reaching out with like a simple question um, that's not like how can you get me this job um, can you even like listening to your tape is sometimes like a big um ask for someone so even if it's just a simple question of like well what do you think of when I interview should I ask this question or how do you ask a tough question in the interview whatever it is um if you can um do that quickly and, and establish that connection and then keep in contact and uh, like I said try to be as genuine as possible and and that involves sometimes um Just like getting to know that person as a human being and not as a broadcaster, you know, their hobbies and the things that they value in their life outside of um, their career. I I do think it's so important that basically you're friends with someone or at least acquaintances with someone before you're asking them to be your mentor, take you on and like a certain way of helping you get jobs.
0: Okay. What you said there was so gold. So I'm going to restate it. So be specific in the ask. So not something so broad, like look at my tape, you gave the example of an interview question, um, which is also a small ask, keep in contact, be genuine and know them as a human. And those are amazing points, amazing points. I've mentioned so many times that I get outreach with people asking, can I um, have an hour of your time to pick your brain? And it's, that's just so broad, um, such a long period of time, you know, that you're asking for off the jump. So, I, you know, the, the, the tips that you laid down right here, I, I think are critical um, to helping to build your network of uh, incredible, successful people. What happens when you get a no?
1: I mean, I, I think you need to just accept that. And sometimes you'll get a no, like I can't right now, it, it's pretty, it's nice to like look at someone's schedule because you might see that they're like in the middle of NBA season or something. So maybe that's not the best time to contact someone. Um, but yeah, I mean, just be like flexible with them too. Um, and that's why I think it's easier to ask something simple because it's harder for someone to say no when they could just type back like a three sentence response. Whereas if you're asking someone to listen to your tape, that can be like a lot of time that you're asking someone to take out of their day, which is usually if you're asking someone um, in baseball, like it's an everyday thing. So yeah, I mean, that's why I say, keep it simple. But if they do say no, I don't think that means that that connection is over. Um, It just means that you're going to have to look to other people and then maybe in the future, just kind of check back in, in a couple months, but you know, maybe ask, is there a better time for me to contact you?
0: So you really have to flex the feedback muscle a lot. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you do that? How do you accept feedback and use it to help you to grow? Cause that's something that can be really challenging.
1: Right. So when I was in college, we would do, like full broadcast I mean it truly it was like the most professional setting like we would do stories every week it was crazy like we were so into it and so after every show we would have critiques and we would sit in a room and um somebody I think it was a producer would just kind of like run through everything that they think we could have done better um that was like being thrown into the fire sometimes. Sometimes you heard things that you didn't agree with or you approached a story a certain way and someone didn't see you know, it from your perspective or whatever. Um, it did make me get some thick skin, um, but it also made me appreciate um, hearing from qualified people. Um, I think you have to learn to understand who's qualified to be giving you feedback and who isn't. Um, meaning if someone with an egg on their Twitter is giving you feedback, probably don't don't listen, it's okay. Like, you know, when I worked at UVM Hockey, there was like a whole blog about me and how much I didn't know about hockey. And it was really tough, like, because it, it was kind of exposing all of my insecurities. Um, but who I actually trusted was the coach of UVM Hockey, Todd Woodcroft, and he was, he would, sit with me watch tape and we'd go through all of these things of like tra- he would translate a lot of hockey to basketball for me which was, or basketball to hockey so I understood it from that perspective which was great um and his feedback mattered to me and the feedback of Leah mattered to me and um even the guy that I took the job over for his name's Michael Lear when he was giving me feedback like that really mattered um but you you need to learn how to discern the you know, the trolls or the, the people that are just angry because you're a woman or angry because, you know, you have a certain tone and they don't agree um, between the people that, hey, they're experienced, they, they care about your development. Um, and usually that's just um, someone that you trust and have a genuine connection with um, versus somebody that's just out there to kind of hate on you a little bit.
0: Yeah. it's So beautifully stated and underlying in your response too was like, feedback is so critical to your growth and your development. And you're in a position that is very visible um, or very audible, however you want to state it. And um, a lot of us who are working in front offices or behind the scenes, you're not exposed to as much feedback as probably you would need to be in order to to grow. Um, Or you might have a manager who. Um, doesn't provide that critical feedback. Do you have any tips for for asking for that feedback? you've you've sat with coaches, um, you've sat with other experts and just it, it seems to come naturally to you to to ask for that so that you can grow. Uh, what tips do you have for people to um, to ask and receive critical feedback for development?
1: Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing is, um go with some really specific like a specific thing that you want to work on just one thing um when I went to Todd first of all I think he really appreciated that I was showing up to almost every practice and making like tapes and watching their practice um because I was very like nervous this whole thing came on the hockey thing came on out of nowhere and I had like a week to prepare so it was a lot um and I I was really visible around that program because I wanted to make sure people understood, like I cared. Um, so that, that mattered to him. I think, you know, if you ask someone for help and, and, and you haven't really shown them why you deserve it, maybe that's not the best person to ask. So, um, in that case, I just came to him and I said, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with ways to, um, in my brain, like, you're telling me your game plan and struggling in my brain to understand, you know, what this means. And so everything he did, like he would give me um, the lineups or the lines for the night. And he would say, okay, so we've got lefties in here today because lefties um, were going up against the mostly um, left-handed lineup. So we're gonna combat them with lefties as well. Or like the, the way he just, he always was now explaining to me every single thing um, and that's because I went to him with like a very specific question of like, you are um, kind of saying things to me and I'm not getting why. Um, do you mind like when you do, when you give me the lines, explain to me why you've gone with these two um, defenders or or why you've mixed things up or why you put this goalie in instead of the other. And he was very open to that. Um, so I do think don't go in there and, and just be like, I need help. Say what you need help with. Um, and that's also a good way to not overwhelm yourself either. Because, you know, sometimes if you give someone your tape, they'll just like light into it. And that cannot be helpful too. Because you'll get something back that's like two pages long of just everything you're doing wrong. Um, so, like the other day, I just texted one of my um, coworkers and I said, I feel like my outros are strange and awkward. I need help. How do I outro? And he just helped me with that. So I think if you kind of pinpoint one thing that you wanna work on, then you don't get too overwhelmed um, yourself as well because it can it's really hard. I don't think feedback is, it's not easy for anyone.
0: No, but those are incredible tips because there's, there's such a difference between if I'm identifying the area where I feel I need work and then asking for help, that's so much different than unsolicited feedback, right? Like if someone were to, were to just walk up to you and, like you said, light you up about your whole performance, that how is that helpful? You know. But if you've self-identified, I think you're sort of prepped to receive
1: mm-hmm. what
0: what they're going to tell you. Uh, so that's phenomenal advice. And I, I just want to say too, it is so critical for growth and development that you seek feedback and get comfortable making those asks, because you can't grow if you are blind to what you might need help with and, in the areas that might not be as strong, um, you know, you need to get that feedback in order to excel. Mm -hmm. So share with us one of your goals for this year.
1: Um, so I think for me, I, came a long way in my play by play from the beginning of the year to the end. I started to get way more comfortable and you can really hear it. Um, I do wanna make like more of an effort to be a little bit more creative with my broadcast, um, getting players involved. It was difficult during COVID, you know, there were certainly restrictions of how, what I could couldn't do. And in your first season, you're just trying so much to survive as a number one by yourself that creativity gets thrown out the window um, in favor of efficiency. And now I feel like I've, I know how to do things. I know how to be efficient, so I can be more creative. So I'm just looking to kind of talk to guys and learn a little bit more about the process of, you know, how they get better at a certain thing and um, specific ways that they're working on their change of and then trying to implement that into a broadcast in a way that's really concise. Um, baseball is hard to tell a story sometimes because you might have two minutes but you might have 30 seconds and then he hits a home run and how can you get that story in before he hits that home run in a way that's like understandable while also describing the action so for me that's what I really want to work on like getting those stories out crisply and uh, cleanly so um, it's it's really hard I mean even the best broadcasters struggle with it
0: Yeah, for sure, because you're trying to tell a story, but you want to keep up with what's what's going on. And I had a woman that I interviewed on the podcast. Her name was Nancy Hensley, and she told me that one of the most crucial ways or one of the things that that women can do to level up in their career is become better storytellers. And she's a marketer, um, but I, I couldn't agree with that more because I've seen the connections be made, um, the business deals get done when you can impress somebody with your storytelling prowess. So, you know, that's what you get to do day in and day out. And, you know, that might be a tip for our listeners here is listen to the broadcast with a different ear, listen to it, thinking about developing your very own storytelling skills, And, uh, and learn from these, these women and these men who are working on their craft every single day.
1: Right. Yeah. Just listen to people that you think are great and and that'll make you better yourself.
0: For sure. For sure. Okay. Well, this has been an incredible interview. Thank you so much. And I've got the final four questions for you. And the first one is, uh, exactly what I was talking about, but it's about you, Maura. What is your best piece of advice for women?
1: I think just it's okay you don't need to soften the blow to make um people understand you meaning that if someone's crossed a boundary you can say that they have crossed a boundary um for a lot of my career I think I had like sugarcoated and been really nice and smiley about ways that people have you know kind of crossed a line with me and I, I don't think we should be doing that anymore and um so don't be afraid to set up those boundaries. Stick to it and hold people accountable. Um, that's players. That's coaches. That's everybody. Um, they've crossed a line. You need to make that clear. And unfortunately, we live in a world where somebody will probably cross a line with you. Um, and so I, I just think that it's okay to to make that clear and to not be scared. Um, and and just another piece of advice I would have is just find that person, whether it's another woman or a man that you really trust that's in your industry, just a friend um, that you can make and um, develop that relationship and, and trust that person um, has your best interest at heart. And, and that will make things a lot easier because you can always go to them when you need them um, and also just make your life a little more full. So yeah, just establish those connections um, genuinely as friends. Um, that's really important too.
0: Oh, I love that. And this, this next question, where you are traveling to next, uh, is appropriate, I think, for, for a broadcaster. But then second, um, where would you travel next if you could choose? <laughs> um,
1: yeah, so, wow, I'm trying to think. So my next game, I have to go to Princeton. They're playing St. Lawrence. I'm in Philadelphia, so I guess that's sort of a travel. Um, and then Westchester has, we just got off of a six-game road trip so I'm so happy to be back um we went all over the place mostly we're in Pittsburgh um and so that was a, a kind of fun experience I'd never been to Pittsburgh um but yeah I guess next up I have to go to Princeton in New Jersey which is actually a really cute town um if I could go anywhere I mean I would just be really interested to go to like certain ballparks I've always wanted to broadcast at Wrigley Field so if I could go to Chicago and do a game there I think that would be amazing experience.
0: Oh, as a native Chicagoan, I love that answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what is your walk-up
1: song? Yeah, I ruminated on this a lot. I think it changes, um, but I think right now I would do Bad Guy by Billie Eilish. I actually really love Billie Eilish, and I think it'd be a cool walk-up song, but I'd want to get one where everyone in the crowd like knew the song, too, so I don't know. Maybe something else but I I think right now I think I'd go with that guy
0: love it okay and finally our favorite question on this podcast what is your favorite quote
1: um I I think it's tough but for me there's it's really just something that um my mom says which is just um essentially like work as hard as you can, and things, good things will come, um, and I, I think she's shown that a lot in her life, um, and, and just the way she's got, where she got in her career, um, and I, I, I don't know if, like, a famous person said that, but for me, it's just something that my parents have always told me to do, and, um, me that I don't like, I'm I'm not a big like quote person, but just kind of the advice of people that I trust has been crucial for me. Well,
0: Maura, it's clear that your hard work has paid off Um, and is evident in your schedule and in the attention that you pay to developing your craft. We're so grateful that you joined us today to share so many incredible tips uh with us on this podcast, specifically around outreach and mentorship and feedback. Uh, you've been incredible and we wish you so much luck. Where can we stay in touch?
1: Um, yeah, you can obviously follow me on Twitter. Um, it's just Maura Sheridan. Um, that's where like the bulk of my work is, and I put that stuff on there, or you can go to my website. It's um it's more Sheridan.org. I've been trying to buy the more domain for so long, but there's an author by that name and she just won't budge. So uh, we had to go with.org. So that's where all my work is. And um, you'll find my email there as well. So you, anyone can reach out if they want to chat more.
0: Amazing. I love it so much. Maura, thank you so much and um, have an incredible 2022. We'll be cheering for you.
1: Thanks so much, Emily. <laughs>
0: With that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, rely on others. You do not have to go it alone. Number two, talent development is about reps. Take opportunities to practice your craft and be willing to try new things to get those reps. Number three, when reaching out to make connections, be specific, make small asks, keep in contact, be genuine, and get to know people as humans, not as what they can do for you. And number four, when receiving feedback, understand who is qualified to give you feedback. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is email. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedis, and distributed by Anchor FM.